Hello everybody, this is Pastor Iris again and I'm having a smile here in the virtual studio and uh, having a pre-programmed pre chat with our, our guest today who is Matthew Guest. Matthew, are you a reverend? You are a reverend, aren't you? Not just a pastor, yeah. or I mean, right. just a pastor, but you're going to the office of pastor, would you say? Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're very nice, you know, and I just want to introduce you to my people out there. I know that we, 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 you've been on here with us before, but um, I'm just going to say, you know, whatever's on your heart this morning you want to share with people, then please, please feel free because that's why we're here. And so, you know, so what's on your heart this morning? Well, I think of late because... Uh... What's been on my heart is uh, is evangelism, but not not in the sense of you know putting on programs and methodology and this sort of thing, but in view of coming out of the pandemic, a lot of churches have lost members. People have stopped going to church through fear of catching COVID and not wanting to interact, and for a lot of church is a lot of evangelism has kind of been hit by the pause button because of various restrictions uh, and you know a, a lot of churches are now beginning to think what what should we do you know uh, almost an obligated responsibility you know we must go out we must do something we must and you know I kind of get that obviously as a pastor and uh, you know that's very much our heart to see people saved but rather than this uh, to-do list, uh, I feel a lot of Christians are, are almost doing it out of a guilt and out of a, a kind of push of ticking a box that we, we should be doing this rather than that first love kind of overflow where we so love the Lord that we just nat we find it natural to be able to share with other people. And rather than having big evangelistic programs, as it were, it's very easy to forget that we're called to be witnesses of what the Lord has done. And we don't always have to have big church programs. Uh, I think one of the greatest forms of evangelism is just simply friendship evangelism just simply loving people and you know a lot of the time I think you know we can be out there with our various programs doing evangelism but not from a place of love it's not coming from a place of compassion it's coming from a place of uh, I've got to do this and I think when love comes out of evangelism the whole thing becomes quite quite a burden it's quite a chore suddenly and it doesn't it's no longer the overflow of our heart and I know you know when we fall in love with something or you enjoy something you you just have that desire to tell other people my son my youngest son loves going to the cinema whenever he comes in it's like oh dad you should have seen this movie it's so <laughs> good this happened and that happened and you can see that he's not trying to convince me that this is a great movie with great cinematography and acting, but
but it's rather just the overflow and excitement of his own heart of what he's experienced yeah. rather than the theology of filmmaking as it were with all its history he's just sharing with me the sheer excitement and buzz and eye open that this film had given him and I think we as churches as Christians we've got to get that first love back again we've got to get the excitement of our own salvation and gratitude again of the wonder that we are saved what is man but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow yet the God of the universe has stepped into this concept that he created called time and God is not in time as it were it's a bit like God has created time like I keep fish I love marine fish and so for me to keep fish I have to create an environment to put them in and I fell in love with fish before I cre created the environment of the tank with the various chemicals and lighting and heating and structure. I fell in love with the idea of keeping fish. And so to keep fish, I've got to create an environment for them to be placed into. And God so loved us in his heart, he then created the universe and the heavens and the earth and the elements to sustain us and he created this whole concept called time but he is on the outside of time just like I'm on the outside of my fish tank enjoying it looking at it and God's the same and when you think of the vastness of God created all the universe so that he could have Iris as his daughter and to be able to have you Everything needed to be created perfectly. The trees need to give off the right amount of oxygen. There needs to be the right amount of sunlight, the right amount of heat, the right amount of darkness, the right amount of light. All the elements. Just because he fell in love with you in his heart and said, right, I'm going to create all of this so that I can have that relationship with Iris because I love her. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. And we can forget how vast, let alone the cross of Calvary, but how vast the love of God is. And sometimes we've got to get back to remembering the depth and the vastness of this wonderful love that God has for us, that not even sin could be a barrier to come between us, that this God would create a bridge removing the barrier of sin so that he could have us even though we rejected him and it's absolute that love is it's just unbelievable it's incredible and I think our motivation to tell other people has got to come from revelation of God's love for us individually God loves us and so you know, over time, you if you genuinely love something, you can't but help talk about it and tell other people. And you begin to fall in love with what other what other people love in your life. My my wife loves uh, classical music and she loves poppies, you know, 
And so years ago, when we first met, I was not into classical music by any means. <laughs> and I certainly wasn't into poppies. But the years of being with my wife, I suddenly realised that I had actually come to like classical music. And then I would find myself walking around the supermarket and if I saw something with a poppy on, I'd think, oh, oh, I'll get that. That's beautiful. That's lovely. And I would end up buying these things and suddenly I thought I'm turning into my wife. But it's not that I was turning into my wife. It's just I began to love the thing that she loves. I began to appreciate. And when you really love the Lord Jesus, you love the Father, you can't help but fall in love with the world. Yes, it's mucky. Yes, it's horrible. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of hatred. But nonetheless, while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. He loved us. He saw the potential of us. And he could love us beyond the barrier of sin. And I think the church today needs to fall in love with the world again. We need to stop judging the world. We know what the world is like. And a lot of the time, the church is trying to clean the fish before they've caught the fish. And where we have an expectation on people's behaviour, people's moral standing, people's decision making, people's irresponsibility. And we have all these almost sitting on a high hobby horse looking down and almost wanting people to sort their lives out a bit the minute they've got saved. Yeah. But in actual fact, scripture says the Holy Spirit will convict of sin and we are called to bring the good news. We are messengers of good news. And the good news is despite where the world is at, God loves the world. He doesn't love the sin, and that's why Jesus is the answer. But he loves the sinner. And I think if we can regain that first love, and Revelation chapter 2 talks about uh, the early church and uh, John, or Jesus really, the, 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 the letters are from Jesus, they were just penned by John. And Jesus talks to the seven churches of Minor Asia, and he commends them and he rebukes some of them. And the second, uh, uh, Revelation chapter two, he, re he, he commends the church first of all and says, look, you are doing fantastic. You know how to work uh, when evil men come into your midst. You know how to do this, that and the other. You've got wisdom. You've worked hard. You've been a bit, you've done all these things. And he says, you know, this is great. But there's one thing I hold against you. Look how far you have fallen, for you have neglected your first love. And the church can be very caught up in church programs and uh, doing good and meeting needs. And I'm not against that. And Jesus isn't against that. But he says, listen, it's the first love that must come first. And I think the church in this day and age, we really, really got to rekindle our first love for Jesus Christ and also our first love for one another. You know, Jesus said, the world will know me through your love for one another. So Jesus gives us the greatest tool for evangelism, love one another. 
the world are going to recognize me. They're going to have a revelation that I exist. They're going to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit when they look at the way you relate to one another. And the way you relate to one another has got to be in a way of respect, in a way of forgiveness, in a way of supporting, encouraging, providing for. And the world are going to look at you as a people and say, look, there must then there's something more about these people than I could, than, than is normal. And scripture does say we're peculiar people. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just, I'm just, I want, I, I just want churches to, you know, that's my heart, that us individual members will get excited about our own salvation, get excited that the fact that God loves us and has a plan for us, and that will be the overflow into the world. Uh, uh, the, the, the people often pray for, we, we want a, a revival. The church has been revived. Jesus birthed the church and place the Holy Spirit in the church and we have been revived we've been made alive and from revival comes reformation and reformation is to change a nation to bring change that's reformation and when you look at the great reformers in society that reformation came through revival and if you want to look at the fruit of revival if there's genuine proof of revival, it will change local society. It will change laws. It will change customs. It will become influential because revival was never meant to stay in the church. Revival starts in the hearts of the believer and then there is an overflow that produces reformation. And it's a wonderful thing. We can't produce reformation in society without there being revival. And revival in the church can't come unless each of us little flames actually get on fire again. So I just want to encourage Christians. I want to encourage the church of Jesus Christ today. Yes, despite the pandemic and uh, the difficulty there have been in lots of people trying to evangelise and that, you know, often there's a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof, Scripture says. And what is that power? It's the power of love. So you meet a lot of people who know the word of God. They've been in Christendom long enough. They can speak the language. They can walk the walk. They can preach the preach. But it's a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. And that power thereof is the power of genuine love. And... When we regain that, and Jesus says we can, you know, he, he can rekindle us, he can get that, you know, wow, what, what an awesome thing. What an awesome fuel in the tank to actually make a difference. And so I just want to encourage people today to, to, to have that rekindling. Scripture says, stir up the gift that it was, is within you. But we think we've got to go to another conference and another conference and another conference and another conference trying to get a top up or we're going to each of these conferences trying to get a prophetic word with our eyes shut. Oh, I hope it's me. I hope the pastor said something <laughs> about me. You know, 
we don't need any of that. Those things are great to come together and celebrate the presence of God and one another, but the equipping is already done. Yeah, I, I think you you hit practically everything on the head. And uh, the church has got to change, basically, Matthew, hasn't it? I mean, yes, not every, every church, but the church as a whole in its outlook on, on, on the community. Yes, yes, absolutely. I completely agree. You know, and if you look at the world's perspective of church, they the general consensus, if you were to do a survey, the top kind of responses of the view of the church from a non-Christian perspective would be they want money, they're the moral barometer, they make me feel condemned, I feel dirty, I feel unworthy, and all these different factors of how Christians have made the world feel. But if you look at the life of Jesus, the people were worthy, they were dirty, they were unclean, they were sinners, yet Jesus made them feel accepted, loved and appreciated. Yeah. It was it's a complete reversal. Now, he's the holy of holies. His absolute righteousness, his absolute holiness. So he, he, he was the one without sin, he never sinned. So he did not compromise in trying to kind of, it's okay for people to sin or uh, overlook people's sin or anything like that. Uh, it was absolute purity, absolute wonder, absolute glory. So there is a balance that the church is missing. And we need to regain that and the reputation of the church in society, even if they disagree with us because they've got free will, should be, well, I disagree with them. I think they're all a bit cranky. But you know what? They're some of the most loving, kind, gentle, considerate people I've met who are always willing to help others with a hand up, not necessarily a hand out, but a hand up. That's and I've found them to be such an encouragement. Yeah. That should be our, our reputation. That's right. That's right. And I mean, people respond to kindness, don't they? They don't respond when you start hollering and shouting at them. They'll, they'll, they'll turn their back on you. And, but yeah. they, they always respond to kindness. It may not be immediate, but they'll come around when they start to trust that kindness as well absolutely 100 absolutely. and and you know jesus when you look at many of the stories of people following he became friends you know he he built relationships there was a genuine love that they felt and often as christians we we give the love of god very conditionally so in other words when we're evangelizing or we're trying to see people come into the kingdom we're sharing with them love and we're giving them time and you know so on so forth but if joe blog said look not being funny mate i'm not interested i don't believe in all this god stuff what the christian invariably does is just walk away from them and we leave them 
And that non-believer goes, typical. I knew there was an agenda. They just wanted me in their church or in their club. And we have shown them conditional love. But Jesus never walked away. He showed them unconditional love, irrespective of their own decision-making. And that is absolutely wonderful. When yeah. we begin to show the world the unconditional love, and we can say, well, I would love you to believe and have the revelation and experience the love of God that I've received. But even if you don't, I respect that. Let's still go badminton next Friday. That's right. That's right. And they see the genuine love of God. That's right. I, I, I'm finding it now a lot easier to witness to people because of what we've got on going on around us. Instead of yeah. trying to tell them what the Bible says, I gave that up many years ago because I, I could see people didn't like it. I, I didn't like to receive that myself either. Yeah, so, yeah. So I understand where people are coming from. But I, I also realise that if you're reaching out to people and it, it's them that you're concerned about, it's them that you want in your circle, and you, you've got to learn to sort of, it's like getting married, isn't it? Growing together, getting used to each other's ways and exactly the same thing. And, and I, I, I found that that is the best way to go. Because yeah. then you're drawing people to you because they like you. Not because yeah. you're going to tell them about Jesus, which they go straight away, oh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But I've also found now these days i can talk about what the bible says i said you know i said it's quite i'm, I'm amazed you know realize that the bible talks about i couldn't believe it the bible talks about this happening they go what do you mean i said well oh. i said that's what it says i said now look at all these all the boundaries broken down all these millions of people filling into muddy places with not a brick standing and they go oh yeah you know, but they're, they're happy to have a conversation about lifestyle. Yeah. From that point of view. And I've been witnessing to my new head, my new hairdresser, seven years, all, the, all these seven years. And what I've been talking to him about in little, little doses, I said, Martin, do you remember me telling you about this happening? And he yeah. said, yeah, I do, actually. I said, well, this is what I've been telling you about. And he goes, <laughs> he, and he wants to know more but he doesn't go over the top so every hairdressing day we have this little conversation going on you know what do you think yeah. about the vaccine then oh i'm not having that no i said i'm not keen not for me i said but i said i would i'm not anti-vax but i would rather see the results first you know, i want to see where this is going I said, and then we'll we'll consider it then. I said, in between, we just have to live the lifestyle of taking precaution. Well, the one thing the one thing you're mentioning really is what Jesus dealt with, and he, he did it through all the parables, and that was he spoke to people about the current affairs of their day. That's right which was farming, which was food, which was so on and so forth, all the different things, the fishing. And he spoke to people on current affairs that they understood and could relate to. That's right. That's right. And, and I think this is why we're going to 
it's obvious so many churches have said there that people that have been watching their online and joining in every Sunday without fail have never even seen the inside of the church. Yeah, yeah. And yet there is that void inside them that they know there's got to be something else. Well, I think, again, a lot of people have questioned, they would admit to having some belief that there is a God or higher power or creator of some description. But the thought of exploring that through going to church is a bit of a turnoff for them because of their perception of what church is. And so, uh, you know, it, it's not Jesus that needs an identity crisis change. It's the church. <laughs> That's true. I, mean, I, I immediately got that vision that I had as a child of going in, getting a cup of tea and a biscuit. And somebody yeah. said, they go, mm -hmm. oh, let me pray yeah. for you. You haven't listened to all I said. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, that, that distance is just missing. And I yeah. know, oh, golly, that just sprung right into my mind. Well, I think as well, you know, being vulnerable as well with the world, being honest with our weaknesses, you know, uh, because so often the world looks to the church of people look, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not holy enough, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing but in actual fact when Paul uh, ministered he said look when it comes to sin I am the chief or I am the greatest of sinners and he said if I boast about anything I will boast in my weaknesses so that people may see God's strength yeah. and we've become very reluctant to talk about our own sin whether it's something we've done recently or whether it's from years ago and use that to boast in and say, look, let me, let me tell you the things that I have done and the grace that God has shown me, the habits I once had that Jesus has set me free from, the shackles that were around my ankles so that I couldn't be who I really wanted to be because I'd become a product of my childhood. I'd become a product of different things. And that's the reality that people want to hear. How do I get through that? How do I cope with that? How do I, you know, they're not really interested in Moses right now. You know, they're, they're interested in the reality of a life changing experience. And how does this love of God, how is it going to affect me? And so often I've shared my testimony. I, I was the, uh, the last of eight children. And uh, my mum and dad, it was a second marriage, but I was the result of a rape. And my mother was raped over a two year period. And the rapist who uh, was a friend of her first husband, he was a part of a devil worshipping cult in Hastings. And uh, he, a warrant was put out for his arrest on the Friday night and he was arrested. And on the Monday, he wrote a full confession that he had raped my mother over this time and then hung himself in Gravesend Police Station. Oh. Well, that was my real father. So 
when my mum knew she was pregnant, she didn't believe in God, but she said she used to lay her hands on her stomach and say, you know, let it be a girl, let it be a girl. And of course, lo and behold, it was a boy with blonde yeah. hair. And so my mother never had anything to do with me until I was four years old. She, she didn't feed me or anything. My sisters used to feed me, clothe me, because she couldn't bring herself to. But after she became a Christian, in uh, about 1975, she said she was prayed for, and she said this, this deep love just burst through her life for me that had been there, but she couldn't express it because of what she'd been through. Yeah. See, and <laughs> the power of love is so wonderful, and there's so many people walking mad with all types of hurts and ghosts from the past, and living as a product of hurt, rejection, and so on and so forth, they're not free to be who they really are. See, and Jesus came to set the captives free, not just free from sin and death, but free from the slavery of society, you know, and, and you know, to live in freedom. I, I, I was told when I was seven years old that I was the result of a rape, and I went through as a teenager, a lot of problems with self-harming. I hated myself. I went to my real father's grave. I cursed it. I spat on it. I hated him. But when I became a Christian, you know, the Lord said to me, Matthew, forgiveness goes beyond the grave. Because I used to say to myself, well, I can't forgive my real father because he's dead. He committed suicide. So I can't forgive him. And the Lord said to me, Matthew, forgiveness goes beyond the grave and I had to get up to a place of forgiveness grace and compassion and the Lord led me in such a way that I met two of his daughters led them to the Lord and baptized both of them wow <laughs> I went from the son of a rapist to a son of God yeah and he set me free from all the baggage and now I've been able to minister to a lot of women who are considering abortion because of the circumstances of which they've got pregnant. And I've had to say to them, yeah, but if you abort that child, you also abort all the dreams of that child. And I hold a picture of my three children. And I say, my three children are innocent. Yeah. You're taking away the, not just that my life, but you're taking away their life. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, the, the we're there to love, we're there to transform lives, not talk religion. You know, pe people want lives to be transformed. I want, if I'm going to believe in something, I want something genuinely real. And I want the love to be real. And it's the job of the church to portray the love of Christ, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus that has the power to change lives and set people free. And that love is so crucial. And like I said, we can sit there as churches saying, oh, we must evangelise, we must have a programme. And it's all become so clinical and arduous and obligational. And it's getting back to that love again. Absolutely. You know, just before we close, it's, you know, our time it goes so quickly, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every time I have an interview with people, because there is, it's just it's just that connection, you know. Because 
Holy Spirit at work and and you think, golly, where does the time go? And normally, and then you then you say here people, as you so rightly said, oh, church is boring. But church should be like this. You should be able to go and talk about all sorts of things. Of course. And even that is, is such a release on mental health problems, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. To talk and accepted. I think that is amazing. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah, and on the question of abortion, I do have something on my heart because my I'm going to be a great. Have I got this right? A great grandmother, and I and I know that it's a boy, but I'll show you this afterwards because we're, we're recording. But the, it's a video taken of the grandchild within mother's work he's not due until the 19th of december thereabouts wow in color incredible i i was i was saying god i shouldn't be in here and the presence of god was like this this it was like a canopy came over me i can't the sensation was was really the presence of god was just just so strong and, and i'm saying god and that verse, I, I saw you in your mother's womb. Ah, uh, yeah, I knitted you. I knitted to get. I knitted you together yes. in the secret place of the womb. Yeah, and this child, I'll show you. It, it. I think that they should do this with every woman who who is contemplating abortion. Yeah, they ought to be made to have one of these scans one of the ones i'm talking about i think that's called a video scan but i'm not sure but we have to find out the name of that because when you look at the unborn child within you it just becomes reality not an uncomfortable lump well well in talking to a lot of women quite often it's not necessarily the fact that they emotionally disconnect, try to disconnect from the pregnancy, from the child, but also it's a lot of circumstances and other factors that That's go right. with it that they cannot face and don't have the help or the means. But that's where the church come in to offer and that exactly the role of the church. That's right. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And, and we need to get down to the grassroots of that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Society's broken, and at the end of the day, the church is the answer. You know, it really is. And we, we've got to really take opportunity to, you know, influence where we can. And not from a religiosity, I'm better than, I'm on a moral standing ground, but from a place of love, a place of problem solving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there we go, folks. Our time has gone again. <laughs> but I, I, I can assure you that, that Pastor Matthew is going to be back with us. And I think okay. we're going to be exploring some issues that might help a lot of people out there as well, Matthew, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's our joy. Brilliant. So I'm going to say bye-bye, everybody, for now. And I will be back soon with Matthew and some other guests as well. Bye-bye for now.